0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, good morning! Y'all are so funny. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel the love. I appreciate that. It's so funny that yes, I'm a guest speaker this morning. So, um, well, it feels like everybody was getting words during worship, weren't they? So, this is for somebody. It's a familiar verse. Jeremiah 29 11. for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to give you a hope and a future right how many of you have a lot of hope for your future yeah and how many of you could use a little hope for your future right especially in some trying times right now but hey God is still on the throne. Well, I am um, laughing at myself because look at my notes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm someone who loves technology. I mean, loves technology. And um, Chris, you know, not to down you, but isn't as good at it as me. We'll say it that way. But every time he comes, do you notice he has all his notes downloaded on his iPad, and he's just using technology right and left. And then I've got my paper. <laughs> That is just scratched up and arrows going this way and that way, but I'm a little old school. I like the paper, and uh, so I'm just going to use paper. I mean, it's, it, it can't go down. It can't disappear, you know, unless I lose it, I guess. But anyway, I wanted to actually revisit a message that I shared about this time last year, and it was on redemption. Redemption. And I don't know, maybe some of you were here last year when I shared that message. But, you know, God had just been taking me through this season where he was teaching me about redemption. And, I mean, we had this ongoing conversation about the subject. And everywhere I turned, he was showing me a new picture or a scenario of what true redemption really looks like. And, you know, he's reminding me. You know, that incredible, that golden thread throughout the entire Word of God is that thread of redemption. And, of course, the blood of Jesus that has redeemed us from our sins. But he also is showing me that, you know, sometimes we limit our view of redemption. And we limit, like, our idea of what or who we think can actually be redeemed. And, um, you know, the redemptive nature of God is that there's no person too far gone, too offense, too grave. No deed that's too evil that would disqualify you from the gift of redemption. That good news. And, you know, he can take your broken life, and he can bless it in such a way that the people around you will look at you and say, Wow, I want to know God. I mean, I want to live that kind of testimony. And, um, you know, he also showed me that if I have an answer that isn't redemptive, then I don't have his answer. And also, if I have a scripture that I'm using that doesn't bring a redemption to a problem or to a situation or to a person, I'm using it wrong. And, um, you know, he just, again, he was just reminding me of the history of the Word of God and how every story, Old Testament, New Testament alike, have a story of redemption. And one of my favorites is the story of Mephibosheth. Um, I I know most of you know that story, but Mephibosheth was heir to the throne. But yet he finds himself broken and running for his life. But then with one encounter with the king, he suddenly finds himself with his inheritance fully redeemed. And he finds himself in his rightful place in the palace feasting at the king's table. Isn't that good? And, you know, Chris and I, we're big movie buffs. We love to watch movies, and I guess these are the days of streaming. Most people watch movies. And um, my favorite kind of movie, Jake, he was talking about movies last week. My favorite kind of movie is the movie that has a story of redemption. And a non-negotiable for me to categorize a movie like top ten favorite or whatever, it has to be where the story has been taken into a complete and full circle and that's my favorite thing about the story of redemption that God has written is that he doesn't just redeem it all, but that he always takes it all the way around into a, and brings it back in a complete circle. And here's some scenarios or some of my favorite for instances of God taking things back around full circle. You know, everything that Adam lost in the garden through disobedience, Jesus regained and restored through perfect obedience, right? And my favorite, favorite thing is that he redeemed everything. He redeemed it all from garden to garden. And if you've ever heard me share before, you know that I, I've, I've said this before because it's just such an exciting way to look at how God redeems it all. But he redeemed it all from garden to garden. And, you know, sin happened in a garden When Eve did not resist temptation, but Jesus made a decision to conquer sin in a garden when he did what? When he resisted temptation. You know, he said, not my will, but yours be done in the garden of Gethsemane. And also the serpent came first to a woman in a garden. And Jesus, after he rose from the dead and he had the keys of hell in his hand, he came first to a woman Mary Magdalene in the garden. You know, I believe that God gave Eve to Adam so that he would never have to be alone. And it was so that she could take him to the tree of life, but she fell short. But, but God, (laughs) but Jesus, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he commissioned her. He said, go, go tell Go tell the disciples that have risen from the dead. And in that moment, he redeemed woman's voice. He redeemed her ability to take others to the tree of life. And, you know, he redeemed woman from the stigma that had been placed on her. He redeemed, you know, he removed that shame that had been placed on her at that original sin. And he restored womankind to her rightful place of co-dominion and honor alongside man because God redeems it all. And you know, I have to say, I guess right here, just to interject this, that I'm proud to be a woman and I am so grateful for the women who have gone before me and paved a way or paid a sacrifice to protect my rights as a woman. And this attack right now, on gender. is just a lie from the enemy to try to steal our identity as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, and he will not win. All right, side note. <laughs> All right, I want to read Ephesians to you. Um, this is chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 3, and I had Ryder put it up on the screen because this is a passion translation, and not everybody has the passion translation. So it says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for us, beloved one Jesus, or for his beloved one Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. And since we now are joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins all because of the cascading riches of his grace. Isn't that a beautiful translation? I love that too. So, you know, yes, Jesus' blood and his forgiveness of my sin, my salvation, that's the ultimate redemption, the treasure, the ultimate treasure, I should say, of redemption. But I felt like God was showing me, you know, that there are also treasures to be found, within redemption because God didn't just redeem us from our sins but he redeems everything in our lives you know we first moved into this building I was walking around and I was just praying and I was thanking God for this building and I asked him I remember saying you know God why am I like giddy excited over the high high excellence of the design of this building and I felt like he said Terry Is because I am redeeming excellence in your life. And I had come out of this, well, I guess I'm still there in a way, this 10, 11-year season of being portable church. And, you know, it's hard to maintain a high level of excellence when you're portable. So I knew what it was that he was saying to me. And um, he went on to say, he goes, And, you know, not only am I redeeming excellence in your life, But over this next year, I'm going to be redeeming some things in your life. And I want you to be intentional about recognizing it as my redemption and not merely as the goodness of God. So he took me from this season of talking to me and teaching me about redemption into this pretty much a year-long season of redeeming things in my life. And I just started writing those things down and making a list. And I want to share a few of those with you today. Alright, so the first thing that I want to talk to you about that God has redeemed for me this year and yes, it's actually in the year of 2020 that God redeemed things in my life and I actually looked up 20 in the Bible the other day and it, said it means redemption. I didn't even know that till now and I've gone through this whole season of having things redeemed. But So the first thing that God redeemed for me in the year 2020 is family legacy slash heritage. And in order for you to kind of see and understand how that's been redeemed for me, I need to give you a little backstory. So if most of you, if you know Chris, you know that he pretty much doesn't have any family. He was raised by his great grandmother and um, Oliver is not even really his last name. Let me say this differently. Oliver, is his, it is his legal name, but it was not his given name. So he took on the name Oliver later on in life, legally, to, in an attempt to, be, to feel like he was part of a family. And it's actually his third last name because his grandmother adopted him when he was very, very young, and she rescued him out of an abusive situation. So he had his birth name. And then he had an dis- adoptive name, and then, again, Oliver, the name that he, by choice, took on legally to attempt to be part of a family. So we didn't have, or Chris didn't have this, like, rich heritage or legacy that was being passed down from generation to generation. So we knew that when we had children, we would be starting our family legacy, our family heritage, those unique family identity value traditions, cultures, right? And um, another thing that you need to know is that up until the time we got married, pretty much everyone that Chris loved had died. His great-grandmother had passed away when he was young, and he was raised by her. His mother had died, and even though he had a chance to forgive um, some things in that relationship, it was never fully restored. And then he had another motherly figure in his life that he loved dearly and she had also died so fast forward Chris and I meet and we get married so that was a setup okay sorry I know you had to have a little backstory but so Chris and I get married and about four years later we give birth to our first child our firstborn son and um when that baby was five months old, he and I were involved in a very serious car accident. Now, you don't need to know the story, the full testimony and story of the accident to know how God redeemed legacy and heritage in my life, but I'm still going to tell it because it's such a big piece of my testimony, and I don't get to tell my testimony very often, right? So I'm going to tell you all a little bit of that story. But when my first son and I were in a, uh, when he was five months old, we were in a serious car accident. We were in the back seat of a vehicle traveling. My mother was driving, and my sister was in the front passenger seat. And we had the uh, cruise control set, and we blew a front right tire. And the wheel, the rim of the wheel, dug into the pavement, causing the tail of the vehicle to flip over the nose of the vehicle at least four times. When that happened, my baby and I were both ejected out of the vehicle onto the highway. Now, um, it was dark, it was late at night. Um, because we were traveling, and um, there weren't many cars on the road, if you can believe that. was 20, but I guess because it was kind of considered the middle of the night back then, there just weren't a lot of cars on the road. It was really quiet. And I remember coming to, and I was kind of like on the side of the road, on my stomach, and I remember listening at how quiet it was. And I leaned my ear because I wanted to hear my baby cry. Because I knew if he cried, he was alive. And I lay there, and I knew it was bad. I had broken my collarbone, my ribs. I had punctured a lung. I had broken my back, and I had shattered my leg. And as I lay there, you know, really pretty much in shock, and just listening intently for that cry, this bright light appeared to me, and just this peaceful voice spoke to me, and it said, "'It's okay. Your baby's dead.'" but he doesn't hurt like you do. And you know, for a split second, it sounded good. And I even remember taking a deep breath to make that sigh of relief of, oh, that's good. But suddenly I realized that that was not the voice of my father. That I know that I, I serve a good God. And even he would not think it was good for my baby to die. And so, you know, my lungs are filling up with fluid and I had this sensation of drowning. But, you know, just something, that spirit man just began to well up on the inside of me and it took over and I took a deep breath and I just spoke out in an audible voice and I said, no, Cody will live and not die and proclaim the wondrous works of the Lord. And the moment that I said that, That light just disappeared. And I was overwhelmed by this supernatural peace. You've heard about it. It's that peace that passes all understanding. And I knew that I knew that I knew that he would live. And I still believe to this day that if I had listened to the law of the enemy and if I had lined my words up with his words, I would have been giving him permission To steal from me. And to just kind of back up. Because I forgot to say. I believe that God revealed to me. That that was the enemy disguising himself. As an angel of light. To try to steal from me. So. While I won that immediate battle. It was Chris. Who lived in the hospital for weeks. And continued to fight for our lives. I think we were in the ICU for a month. Um, Cody wasn't expected to live for the first 48 hours. Then when he began to recover, he had to have a CAT scan every month for the first year of his life. And then they could not explain why this compression fracture of several vertebrae did not cause me to be paralyzed. But I went home eventually, laid flat on my back for, I think, like six months. I wore a back cast. Um, I wore an external fixator on my leg, I think, for like nine months. And um, after that was removed, it was three months later. It still wasn't healing correctly. They went back in, rebroke that leg, took bone out of my hip, and transplanted it into my tip fib. But I said all that to say, basically, that um, the recovery of this event was like a two, two two-and-a-half-year, all life-consuming, right? So when I was finally healthy enough, and my body could endure it. We wanted to have another baby because we, we knew that it was important to Chris that Godie not be raised alone and because Chris had just grown up alone with no siblings and no family. and we also knew that if anything ever happened to us we wanted him to at least have a sibling. So we um, eventually we got pregnant with our second son and it was a few months in that I tore my uterus. And I began to have a mis- begin what looked like I was having a miscarriage, and I remember getting off the phone with the doctor, and leaving the room to go get ready to go up to the doctor to the doctor's office, and I looked up in the mirror and I was kind of shocked to see that I had a smirk on my face, and um, you know I wasn't experiencing any fear at all. I literally had this attitude of, really. You know, devil, not today. You are not going to have this baby. Like, have I not proven myself to you? You are not going to win this baby. And so, um, thank God, we were able to carry that baby full term. And it was almost four years to the date of that accident, that we gave birth to our second born son, our little Tristan back there on the sound system. And Tristan, you're our miracle. You're our miracle baby. We love you so much. You mean so much to our family. And um, you're just such a blessing to our lives. But I said all of that to get you up to the redemptive piece, okay? Here's the redemption. Last year in 2020, it was exactly 26 years to the day of that accident. Cody, who the enemy tried to kill, his wife gave went into labor with their firstborn son. 26 years to the date. And the act of birthing new life began and boy God was just showing the hope and the redemption in this now she labored through the night and she didn't give birth till the next day and I remember kind of questioning God you know like oh God it would have been so cool you know <laughs> I was like it, it would have been really kind of cool if Tristan or Walter had been born right exactly on the date right But, you know, I felt like God was showing me that he had given me these two bookends to this story in my life. And he said, you know, the first son that I gave birth to after the enemy tried to take my life was born right before that date. And the first son that Cody and his wife had after the enemy tried to steal Cody's life was born right after that date. And he showed me that, you know, that heavy black line that was on the timeline of my life, that line that for years I measured everything against. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where every conversation began with, well, before the accident, right? Or every conversation started with after the accident, Right, how many of you have that black line on the timeline of your life that you measure everything against? Right, well, before the divorce, right, or after we lost the house, right, or after dad died, and he was showing me that that black line was now faded and it was overshadowed and it was surrounded. By birthdays and celebrations of life that were actually the beginning of our family legacy and heritage. That we hope will be carried on for generation after generation after generation. Tristan Cole, mighty warrior full of peace. And Walter Isaac, ruler of the army who will rejoice. Because God redeems it all that good. He redeemed that for me in the year 2020. I have a list. I have a list. I'm going to share y'all one more, and I'm going to make this one a little shorter. In year 2020, God redeemed my life dream. That's big, right? Because we all have dreams, like, oh, I dreamed to have a house one day, or I dreamed to have kids or grandkids, but we also had that life dream. You know what I'm talking about? This is the thing that gives you purpose. It's the thing that gets you up out of bed in the morning. It's the thing that when you experience disappointment, it causes you to pick yourself up and dust yourself off because it's your driving force. And I had this life dream that I pursued most of my life, and it actually did not have anything to do with starting a church, starting Resurgent ATL. Now, it did have to do with ministry. It had to do with running with a group of people. It had to do with... Pursuing just this, um, making a particular impact that we believed that God had shown us that we would be able to make. And, you know, in that pursuit, all of us do it. We make sacrifices to try to see that dream fulfilled. And we experience hope and disappointment and hope and disappointment, right? But we were always able to keep our hopes up. Until one day when it looked like all of the puzzle pieces were about to come together and we were going to be in the fulfillment of that life dream, we experienced one of the greatest disappointments that we'd encountered. And Chris tells a story about being so disappointed he had to get away. He just needed to get away, be alone with God, and he went out of town. He says he was sitting at the base of the mountain, and he was just shouting up to God and saying, How in the world am I in this place? How is it I feel like I've been obedient? I feel like I've done everything you've told me to do. I believe that I have helped other people pursue their dreams. How is it that I'm in a place where the decisions of one man, possibly even the disobedience of one man, can cause my dreams to come crashing down? And we couldn't understand why this particular disappointment was affecting us more than the other disappointments we did experience in our life until we realized that we were physically grieving a dream. And, um, you know, in our grief, we began to lose hope and we began to listen to the lies of the enemy. Does he ever say to you, yeah, see, don't get your hopes up. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment, right? Or sometimes he tells us it's never going to happen for me. We watch other people's dreams fulfill, and we want to believe the lie. It's never going to happen for me. Or we try to believe that God doesn't care about my dreams. But, you know, God was just so precious and so gentle and so kind, and he began to move us back into pursuing a piece of that dream in a way that we never even really imagined would be possible. Fast forward, a part of that is that we started Resurgent ATL, and we were living in that feeling of a fulfillment of a dream. And I remember asking God about it, going, wow, I was reflecting on that disappointment. And I was asking him, you know, I see how he had used it for my good. And I could see how I'm feeling the fulfillment of a dream. But I asked him, but why, it doesn't look like anything that I thought it would look like. And he said, yes, Terry. He said, it's because I have rescued you from your version of the dream. And now I'm redeeming the dream. I mean, how many of you would like to be rescued from your version of the dream and let God redeem the dreams in your life? And what's even more redemptive is that three years later, three being the meaning of completion, I believe God completed the redemption of that dream by bringing Scott and Lacey here. And... You're probably saying why and how. I'm going to explain it the best I can. But rewind to the story. The disappointment that sent Chris to the base of that mountain, right, had something to do with Scott and Lacey moving out of our environment and back to California. And while I love Scott and Lacey to pieces and I cherish their friendship, it wasn't the loss of them leaving our environment that sent us, curled up and crying on the living room floor, but it was the realization that all of those events at that moment made us realize that the fruition of that dream may never come to pass. But having them join us this year, I felt like God was just saying, see, here's a completion of that redemption of that original dream where you were pursuing making the impact that God had shown us that we would be able to make in this region. It's because God redeems it all. And he he, he cares about the completion of that redemption. And most of you believe God will restore your brokenness, but do you believe he will redeem it? You know, when God restores something, he restores it as if it was never gone, but when he redeems it, he restores it as if you never needed it restored, and that's big. I put this definition, writer up there of redemption. I know you know what redemption means, (laughs) but I thought it was good to look at. You know, we know redemption is the action of being saved, or of saving or being saved from sin, but... It also means it's the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It has to do with retrieval, recovery, reclamation, repossession, recoupment, return, and being rescued. I love that. All right, I want to read to you from Psalm 103. Again, Passion Translation stuck on that right now it says praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles you know he says he forgives all of our iniquities He heals all our diseases, and he redeems our life from the pit. And what is that pit for you? Is it depression or guilt or shame, limited capacity, anguish, torment? Maybe it's a shattered dream. And he's made it all possible for us to be restored. And you can live a redeemed life. You can have joy, peace, and freedom because joy, peace, and freedom are all pieces of your identity, and your identity is secure in Jesus Christ. And you and joy, peace, and freedom can never be lost no matter what the enemy tries to steal. When I read that about um, redeeming your life from the pit. I cannot help but think about the story of Joseph, right? Because Joseph's dream literally landed him in the pit, literally. And I know Joseph had this dream where you lay your head down at night, fall asleep, and have a dream. But I believe that that dream became a dream in his heart. And Joseph's dream was about power and promise right? And he was powerless. He was living this powerless life among all of these brothers. And God gives him these two dreams about power over others. And those dreams begin to ignite imagining new possibilities in his life. And unfortunately, not everyone is going to understand your dream, right? And we see the example of that throughout Joseph's life. But A redemptive heart rejoices in what God is doing in other people's lives. And, you know, when your dreams are under attack, the good news is that God has more than one way to see his plans and purposes fulfilled in your life. And you can't mess it up. That's good news. And you can't, you know, no one can steal it. And we can't become disqualified from it. And I wrote this Sean Bowles quote. I read this in one of his books, and this is just really good news, even just through what we're going through in our society and government right now. It says, even when man makes a choice that limits God's restorative power, he will always redeem the situation so that your fullness is not limited to another man's decisions. And the examples he gave, he says, if someone divorces you, God will make a new plan a, Not a plan B, a new plan A. If you lose a court case, he will bring about a new way to get justice. And he's not limited to man's will. And here's good news. He is infinitely creative and has thousands of solutions to any problem. All right, well, in the story of Joseph pursuing his dreams, it's obvious. If you go back and study it, he had setback after setback after setback, right? But those setbacks set him up for redemption. And not only did God redeem Joseph's dream, he redeemed the relationship of his broken family. And the best part is that he preserved the life of this family who would have otherwise died in the famine. But he restored or he preserved their life. And they were the lineage of the ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ, because God redeems it all. All right, so this morning, you know, I believe God wants to redeem some things in your life this year. He did it for me this last year and you know sometimes you when you sat and you join up with other with uh, leadership their breakthrough is your breakthrough so I believe if he's done it for me he'll do it for you and it's something that you can grab hold of so I believe he wants to redeem some things for you this year maybe it's a dream maybe it's legacy or time or a prophetic word that you've received or new possibilities and So, I'm gonna kinda close with this list of things that I believe set me up to have some things redeemed in my life. All right? Ready? (laughs) We'll go kinda quickly, but the first thing is forgiveness. See, when we hold on to unforgiveness, we just cause ourselves to be stuck, we're not moving anywhere. We're not getting any further because what are we doing? We are lying down and we are wallowing in our self-pity, in our victim mentality. And we have got to let people off the hook and get from Jesus what we can only get from Jesus. And we set ourselves up for disappointment when we look for other people or relationships to fulfill us instead of Jesus. All right, so number two. Let let go of disappointment. All right, so when we hold on to disappointment or unforgiveness, do you know what we do? We tend to attract other people to us who are holding on to disappointment and unforgiveness. And we start gathering around us people who justify our pain, who justify our offense, right? And what I say, then we start forming what I call a wound-licking club, where we're just sitting around licking our wounds, saying, woe is me, and talking bad about everybody that's ever done me wrong. Bill Johnson made this statement once. He said, handling disappointment well will position me to handle dreams fulfilled well. So we've got to let go of disappointment. It's a good one. <laughs> all right, number three: Let disappointment be our greatest teacher. We've all encountered disappointments, and um, you know God was just showing me through this uh, this that it's one of our desires here at Resurgent. It's even part of our mission statement, that we see other people's dreams fulfilled, and it's because we learn from the disappointment of being in an environment that sucked the life out of our dreams, right? So let disappointment be your greatest teacher. Number four, ask for it. This is a fun one because when I stood before you last January, and I gave you this list, actually, and I said, I have something I want redeemed in my life, but I haven't asked for it because it was too big, and I didn't think God could do it, just being honest, and that thing was a year of my retirement. You know, my retirement's coming up. I'm a school teacher, and I lost a year of my retirement because, uh, so I've had to put in 31 years instead of 30, and it's because I taught at a Christian school, and then the accident and all that affected a year of my life. All right, so in the Christian store doesn't count because you're not paying into the system. So long story. But anyway, point is I lost a year. So last year when I gave this, I was like, okay, if I'm gonna tell the people to ask for it, then I guess I better do it. So I asked him, I said, okay, God, show me what you got, you know, redeem it. How can you redeem this year of my life? It doesn't look possible because the government just doesn't redeem years. <laughs> you know, so whatever. And guess what he did? He just shut the whole country down. and I had like five or six months of staying home getting paid to do absolutely nothing okay now of course I know that God didn't shut down the country to redeem my year but he did use it for my good and he did use it to talk to me and say I can redeem it all you know he's like don't dare me (laughs) Right, He can redeem it all. So ask for it. If you think it's too big, ask for it anyway. See what he can do. All right, number five, let God rescue you from your version. I mean, that's just surrender. And I don't know if you're like me. It's hard to admit because it's embarrassing. But I like to take it away from God. And I like to tell him how to do it because I think my way is way faster and way better. And I'm like, gosh, if you just do this, it would have already happened by now, right? It's true. Okay, so let him. All right, and um, number six, be intentional about identifying when something has been redeemed. Here's what I mean. When Walter was born, yes, it was the goodness of God. It was beautiful, but it was important that I recognize that that was, that was That his birth wasn't just God's goodness, but it was the redemption of the legacy and heritage in our life. And when I recognize that, it helps me know he can do it again. And it builds my faith. It gives me hope. It uh, becomes my testimony, and it helps me overcome. And the final one is dare to dream again, right? I mean, get your hopes up. Don't lose faith because God redeems it all. All right, over this next season, I want you to be on the lookout for God to redeem things in your life. Time, relationship, purposes, whatever it is. But get your hopes up. All right, we're going to end today with making some declarations. Because what did you say about declarations a while ago? Uh, declarations Declarations. Pave the way to your destiny. You said it? What happened? Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was a good word, right? All right, so what I want you to do, I want you to stand up. You're going to stretch your legs. I want you to declare this like you mean it. And we're going to read, I think it's three declarations. So if you need restoration or redemption in relationships I want you to say this extra loud but everybody else is going to say it loud are you ready here we go I declare that there are no relationship that can't be restored or redeemed God can either restore it or if it's not a healthy relationship redeem it and give me the perfect replacement as if it was his original plan a all right if you need resources or finances redeemed in your life say this one extra loud ready I declare that my resources and finances will be restored and rebuilt. Any warfare, bad choices I or others have made against me, market trends or broken investments, any damage I have had inflicted upon me will be restored in my lifetime. Not only for me, but also will multiply to my children and their children. Amen. Time, if you need time redeemed in your life, are you ready? I declare that my time is being redeemed and restored. Any time before I was born again, any time away from God, any time not surrendered to his great purpose, any time that was stolen from wrong relationships or bad opportunities, I declare that God will give me back all time as though it had not been lost. I declare that time will serve my life. Woo, that's a good one. All right, here's the final one. This is just a declaration for everything. Are you ready? I declare that God is going to redeem and restore my dreams, ambitions, desires, and purpose in life, allowing me to experience the joy of my life well-lived, people well-loved through me, and a fulfilled life mission. God redeems it all. Amen. All right. Thank you.